please remember to subscribe to our podcast wherever you listen to podcasts and hit the bell so that you get notified every time we drop an episode and you don't miss out on anything if you're about to listen please just subscribe you can always you know come back and unsubscribe if you don't like it but please subscribe first thank you do it right now right now hit the button (laughs) let's go Hello everyone, welcome to the Dirty Lie Podcast. I'm your host, Des, and I'm here with... Hello, my name is TMT, I'm her co-host who, to whom she is referring. Okay, you're going to continue doing this voice, are you? I'm going to what? Continue doing this voice. This voice? Yes. What's this? This is my voice. Okay. <laughs> the Dirty Lie Podcast is a podcast about facts, figures, and weird things from the past. Yeah. I forgot to do our tagline because we have not recorded in weeks. Um... TMT and I have been working, traveling, and also both ill at different points in time. Yeah. If you can still hear it in my voice, yes. Also, there's that new variant of COVID going on. Um, I don't know what you're implying here. And you've been jet-setting. <laughs> I don't know what you're implying here. I'm implying that you are ill, my friend. Mm-hmm. Um, physically, more so than anything else, I think. <laughs> I think you are compromised. I think doing this interview, I'm interview, doing this episode with you, is clearly not in a, in a closed room. Yeah, contained space. Our yeah. only source of oxygen is really an air conditioner. I travel next week. I see. Oh my god, it's next week. It's next week. Your summer begins next week. Yeah, man. I'm excited for you. And I really, I'm really excited for myself because I got the months I really wanted. I wanted the fall. I don't like a European summer. I don't like... You like low season. Yeah. Yeah, man. Looking forward to it. Also quite hungry. You're quite hungry? Yeah. I just just realized that. Today? Right now? That's not real. Should I tell them to cook for you? (laughs) Cook what? Rice and chicken stews. Wow, that's so nice. Yes, please. Thank you. Let me call down. Can we leave this in the episode? Yeah, so that everybody knows I'm feeding you. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, you guys, TMT is about to be well-fed. I think, like, I had to just become somebody who is just okay with having no control over things I have no control over. Or, like, not stressing over the things I have no control over. Because there's so many. So many. What year did you move back to Nigeria? 2019 or 20... Originally 2015, but properly, I think, 2018. Accepting this... Four years in? It's crazy. Not four years, like six. 2018 is six, seven? Yeah, accept... Five. Mm. Accepting that you have no control over certain things five years into moving to Nigeria is insane. No, I mean, I know I have no control over a lot of things. Yeah. And, like, I learned that a lot during running a business. There's, like, Mm -hmm. so many things about your business are out of your control Mm -hmm. like i think that's a lesson every entrepreneur learned but especially in this market yeah you need a plan c d e and f yeah just know that but like not stressing over those things i'm just learning how to do that Mm -hmm. i used to completely stress like yeah if the delivery drivers aren't working properly i'm stressed Mm -hmm. it's out of my control it's not yeah i mean it is yeah but like I'm stressed, right? I'm practicing only stressing about the things that I have direct control or indirect control over, which is very tough. Like, you know, my advice to you, I'm going to show you the caption on this pillow I'm holding. 
my mom's can you take a picture of it so we can put it in the on the instagram so people know what what i'm referring to the pillow says no wahala yeah it's a no wahala pillow yes and it looks like a lot of wahala yeah (laughs) see an entire family situation from one okada including the pets the family pets is on the okada so guys today we're talking about election petitions in nigerian history Election petition? The Nigerian history. Yes, yes. You're like thinking like, so this is going to be boring. I promise you it's not. I have a special appreciation for election petition. Because it paid your school fees. Yeah. If you guys have not noticed from this podcast, because listeners of his other podcasts have noticed. <laughs> they said classes. That was the word they used. Classes. I just need people to know that people. Just well, she didn't call me classes. She called the podcast classes. I called you guys classes. And I mean, this conversation had come up before I even showed up on your podcast, right? Because I brought it up. Yeah. Because they said that they bet GRV speaks to you about like the boys on. So much. Because they at least saw you. Yeah. You exist in a class that is de facto exclusionary, right? And it's just like, so if you're discussing, but these are just your lived experiences. Yeah. Like you're discussing your lived experiences. Yeah. Well, what's, but you guys are also rude. Yeah. So yeah, we're talking about election petitions. I went to the PEPT, the mm-hmm. presidential, do people even call it PEPT? I guess they do on Twitter. Mm-hmm. I went to go see the, I went on the final day, closing arguments. Um, I thoroughly enjoyed myself. I was working in Abuja one day and I really wanted to see, I was like, I'm a lawyer. I haven't, it's been a cool experience. Mm. Um, I don't know the funniest thing about sitting down there. Please don't. From like, there was, there was some drama, but it's not that dramatic. The best thing about sitting down there is that like, I was on Twitter and the tweets about what was going on in court was like, wow, this is, this is not real. Like It's, it's just like two different things. It's completely different yeah. things. I mean, there's, there's a reason why a lot of, journalists in the West who attend court proceedings have legal backgrounds. And when you don't, you misinterpret so, so much. much. So a lot of the people who show up to courts and just reports, they just miss yarn so just, much. No, yeah. the miss yarning was crazy. Like there's stuff like, okay, this is a legal thing and you definitely don't understand like what he's trying to get out here, right? Mm-hmm. And like the next thing they're like, this justice obviously has Agbado under his wing. <laughs> <laughs> there's paraphrasing and there's Chinese whispers. And, and, and then like, and, and it, then it gets, this is what we were talking about, misinformation and disinformation, intentionally leading people astray. Mm-hmm. What do you call them on Twitter? Banga bros. You just want to hit tweets just... For a reaction. Yeah. We're already in a very low trusting society. Elections were already like what they were. Adding to it, like if, if they do come out with a judgment that is ridiculous, whatever, like then let's face like adding to it with like actual lies yeah it's so crazy so anyways senior was speaking and he just he makes like an allusion to like constitutionally even if you commit a crime there's a time limit like constitution does not our constitution is a forgiving constitution is what he says there's limitations yeah there's limitations so it's not like you can never run or Mm -hmm. whatever so like even if they were to conclude so he's basically saying, even if you were to conclude that Tinubu you know, did commit a crime, yeah. which is why he had to forfeit assets in America, mm-hmm. like it was 30, 40 odd years ago. Yeah. So you, and our constitution does not have such extreme time, whatever. What do you think about the argument? Well, 
We can't go into the arguments. You know. <laughs> we can't go into the arguments. The thing is, the Peter he gag then goes like, time does not run against crime or something, which is like, I don't know. He he basically like missed, he he basically in his own saying yeah. of what Oladim Pakustan said, kind of twists it in his own way, which is fair. Yeah. Your, your lawyers so are going to use his argument against him and this twist is, it in your own this way. Is, this is legal jujitsu. Yeah, basically. Yeah. And the justice comes and says, hey, 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 hey. Hey now. Hey now. <laughs> Slow down. <laughs> You know, and I'm just trying to jump up, and he's like, "I didn't say that." So I've been sitting down while my lead colleague. I didn't say that. That's amazing. And the justice is like, "Hey, now, that's he now said, don't lead the people astray because internet. These people are watching." Yeah, <laughs> I realize the justices are like public opinion matters to them. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm not gonna say I'm gonna talk today about some justices who were collecting Ghana must go bag of millions of naira <laughs> to, to turn it into justice. I'm not saying like yeah. that justice cannot be corrupted. That's yeah. not what I'm saying. But these guys actually like they were more than once would reference social media or Twitter or that people are watching. Mm-hmm. Like there's a reason we don't have a jury system here. Yeah. Well, because I just uh, because what? No balance. Yeah. We don't know more. I don't know more. I don't know more. <laughs> but he goes like he's like don't mislead don't mislead the public and then the justice now says to the pdp guy he goes aren't you a christian even the bible forgives as part like and then the pdp guy i believe his name he's a son as well i think it's uche something he goes yes but i'm not jesus christ <laughs> and the whole court was laughing and i was like y'all i was texting you mm. i was like they got me. Like, I want to put my wig back on. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, they're getting me. Like, I'm always telling a lot of people senior start saying, you know, like in Alice in Wonderland, they're like, wrap this thing up, sir. <laughs> Is that C.S. Lewis? I don't even know, bro. I'm uh, not that good. I no, think it's C.S. Lewis. I think it's, um, it must be. Yeah. I think sen- senior, I will say, reminds me of why I wanted to be a lawyer. Mm. Just because he was just super active. Like, just, he knows how to talk. Um, he's very comfortable, obviously. <laughs> he's one of the crowd. Yeah. yeah. I, I keep saying that, like, I've seen. He's a crowd controller. <laughs> Sorry. You know, like, I've seen even, especially like my dad. I don't yeah, think, your dad is one of the best. Yeah, like, my dad in court honestly scares me because I'm just like, oh, wow. Because the thing is, he's my dad, so he's going to talk to me straight. Yeah. But I realized after seeing him in court and just seeing him talk to certain people, this man could have manipulated me my entire life. <laughs> he could have just made me do anything, anything. he wants, but he chose to raise his voice instead. And maybe, you know, he's like, yeah, parents, like, I guess they're more emotional with their kids. So he's just like, yeah, I mean, yeah, but, you know, but he could have just played, planned to manipulate my child, like fully just. <laughs> no, it was so good to see. I mean, the, I would say like, I mean, the INEC lawyer was like giving me boring, you know, and, but also, but it's also because you're fo- fo- he was focusing on technicalities, mm-hmm. right? So he was focusing on the legalities of like transmission versus uploading mm-hmm. versus collation. Mm. Now, these things are just three words that for everybody might just be like, oh, they didn't do this or they didn't do this. Am I putting you in this? Legally, <laughs> the meaning of those three words matter a lot. They do. They do. You know, yeah. law is so law specific. Be yeah, it should be. It should be boring. So, like, I was just listening to, you know, the difference between horizontal versus vertical transmission or transloading. And I was like, wow, like, you know, truly, they can come out with a judgment supporting Tinubu. Based on law, mm-hmm. it'll just be these technicalities, right? But yeah. it would be legally 
So. That's where the battle is won. It's always in the mundane, boring stuff. Yeah. The 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 dramatic stuff is really. It's for Twitter, I guess. Yeah. It's for us. It's for us. Yeah. The PDP lawyer is basically trying to focus on substantive justice rather than technical justice. Mm -hmm. It's like substantially, you know, there's non-compliance and da 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 da, Mm -hmm. and these are the grounds. And like, so if we are saying as the court of appeal that you're supposed to come up with like substantive justice for the people of Nigeria, then you side with us. This was the first hearing, right? This is the closing argument. It was the closing argument. Mm -hmm. Okay. And after that, then they had the Labour Party one where Peter Hobie's phone was stolen. Interesting. I think like once they have hacked your phone, you actually have to make sure it can't also be stolen. One of my uncles came from America for my grandma's ATF. And they stole his phone. Stole his phone at the party. I would like you to know that the most important thing about that is that he just told me he came from America for the party. He doesn't live here. I live here being a politician in Nigeria. They're always stealing your phone. Like people's phones get stolen so often here. It's actually quite remarkable. It's crazy. Yeah. Yeah, you guys. Be careful about the information. I feel like I keep saying this, and now I feel like I'm on an anti-disinformation movement. But, like, be careful about the things you see on Twitter. Even I fall trapped to it, but sometimes I try and cross-check. Or delete. And, like, sometimes you tweet something, I'm like, hmm, information. Yeah. 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 It's like about, you know, somebody was arguing, I was in Abuja, and somebody was arguing about Burkina Faso. I'm like, cool. And how they're no longer exporting uranium Mm -hmm. to France. And I was like, they don't have uranium. Yeah. Someone made that up on Twitter. Yeah, of course. The countries that do have uranium are Niger, Kazakhstan, um, Uzbekistan, Ukraine, Malawi. Russia imports a lot, but they have crazy reserves. Mm. Namibia. And a few other countries do it, but those are the main ones. Okay, let's get into today's topic. Topic. Okay. Fact one. Okay. Fact number one. Let's start typing the facts. Actually, it makes me. It makes it easier for me. Cause I want to win. In it to win it. Mm. Fact one. Okay. In two thousand and three. A good year. Three months after Chris Ngege was voted in as the governor of Anambra State. He was kidnapped at gunpoint by his godfather, Gochiku Uba, who then made him resign as governor of Anambra State under gunpoint. He was kidnapped at gunpoint by his his godfather? Yeah, his political godfather. Do you know the Uba brothers? No. Chris Uba, Andy Uba... Ugochuku Uba. I think the UBA guys. Because that would be funny because Uba UBA. I'm just going to go back to you saying no. Okay. You're going to learn a lot today about them. Ugochuku is the senior brother. Yeah. Andy Uba was a member of OBJ's government. Yeah. And Chris Uba, Andy Uba, and Ugochuku have all held different positions of power. But Mm -hmm. they're all from Anambra. Okay. Right. Um, So that's the first fact. A sitting governor, Chris Ngege, was kidnapped at gunpoint and forced to resign. Fact number two. Ugo Chuku Uba runs for Senate. Well, actually, he didn't run, right? He just, after the elections, he asked INEC to just put his name as the candidate for the PDP. He had lost the primary. The PDP won the elections. And so he came back and he just took it, allegedly. 
I don't understand. So he lost the primary. He lost the primary. PDP won the elections. He lost the PDP primary for yes. Lambra Senatorial South. Yeah. And then in the general elections, PDP wins Anambra Senatorial South. Right. And then he goes to court against Prince Ukachuku, who was the PDP candidate. Mm-hmm. And then in st- and then in court, they affirm that he is the rightful PDP candidate and therefore the owner of the Anambra senatorial seat. So he didn't contest. There's in, no revoting. They just contest, give him the votes that they gave someone else. Yes, he didn't contest in the general election at all. Okay. He becomes the senator. Okay. Now, two of the three judges who sat on his election tribunal mm-hmm. were removed from the bench due to corruption allegations based on this case. Okay. It is said that the third judge who refused to be corrupted along with them, that because the judges went to go and meet him, and they said, this is a, just, a judge to another judge, I'll be a justice to another justice. And I quote, whoever allows coconut to be broken on his head will never live to eat out of the coconut. Okay. So is he saying like... Um this country they are fighting for, you're not going to live to enjoy it. I don't know, because at first, like when they were offered bribes, they said, Would you like cola nuts? Mm. And he said, No. And they said, Well, whoever allows coconut to be broken on his head would not eat to live out of it. Mm. It's a very strange quote. It is. Giving goofy Game of Thrones. <laughs> but that's the second one. Yeah. That one, he didn't contest in general elections, and two, that the judges were removed from the bench because mm-hmm. of corruption allegations based off of the judgment. Mm-hmm. And fact three. Do you know about the Western region crisis? Aren't we currently in it? The one of 62, 63. Awo versus Akintola. Right, yes. You know a little bit yeah. Okay. Well, fact three is that when Awolo took Akintola to court mm-hmm. and won, Akintola simply went back changed the constitution and backdated it by two years i wish the listeners could see your face three facts one assistant governor was kidnapped mm-hmm. by his godfather yeah Ugojuku uba mm-hmm. two uba ran for this same uba, uba did not run for senate but instead he swapped votes from a candidate yes that won uh, yes and he entered senate and the judges who gave him this mandate were removed from the bench and three when Avalo won court case against Akintala based on the constitution. He, went and the he just he, he retroactively, retrospectively, retrospectively, retroactively. I think yeah, retroactively changed the constitution and back this says two years. Yes. Powerful. That's mm-hmm. insane. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna say the dirty lie. Is, this is tough. I'm going to say the dirty lie is number. I'm really, really, really tempted to go number one, but. I mean, no offense to anyone listening, but this is the South we're talking about. We are insane people here. So I'm going to keep that. I'm going to keep, I'm going to keep number two. I'm going to say the lies number three. So you don't think Akitola backdated the constitution of the Western region? Well, is this Awolowa Akitola backdated the constitution? Akitola. Um, no. Okay. I'm so happy you're wrong again. Oh I thought my I was losing. God. I thought I was losing my edge here. I thought I was like I was losing it. But we're back. Which one is the lie? The lie is number one because no, no, no. Because you want to know why? Why? Well, first I have to just say that it is alleged, right? Who kidnapped him? 
it's alleged it was his godfather. But his godfather is Ukuchuku's younger brother, Chris Uba. It's another Uba brother that is alleged to have kidnapped the sitting governor of Anambra State. That's interesting. That's really interesting. The fa- my favorite part about this is that Inge has now, he's given interviews and explained what happened on that fateful day, the 10th of July, 2003. And I have it here. So I think I'll read some of it. I can maybe try and get some clip to can finish. piece it together. Yeah. So I'll, I'll tell you guys what happened. But like, I also think I should maybe give some background about the Uber brothers before we go into these first two facts. And I'll leave, I can tell that I will for the end. Okay. Let's um, do it. Okay. The title of this article is called Brothers from Hell. How mm. politics divided the Uba brothers. Um, it's from this day. August 2023, as you know, opinion pieces are just somebody's opinion. Crazy title for an article. But the brothers have both worked against each other and for each other and have held all manner of power for a very, very long time. There's three bros. Yeah. Ugochuku is the eldest. And then you, ha- and you have Andy and Chris Uba. They're younger than Ugochuku. Mm-hmm. Andy Uba also goes as, I believe, Emmanuel Namdi Uba. Andy Uba is a very, very close ally of Obasanjo. Andy, Dr. Andy Uba was Obasanjo's special assistant on special duties and domestic affairs. Mm-hmm. And the older brother, Ugochuku, was the one who was senator from 2003 to 2007, okay. while Andy was Obasanjo's um, special assistant. It's rumored, we don't really talk in rumors here, but he was said to be very powerful, right? And essentially be able to control or grant access to the president because special duties, you know, whatever. However, even though Andy was Obasanjo's right-hand man, in 2007, he contests for the governorship of Anambra State. Do you know how long he was governor for? Five days. 17. Oof, 17 close. days. 17 days. 12 days off. Yes. Um, due to a court ruling that said that Peter B had not finished his term. Mm. Andy ran again in 2010, um, but it was overruled by the court again. There's some very iffy things that go on between Andy, Inek, and that Peter B stuff. There's a lot going on. But at this point in time, Andy's brother, Chris, had risen to be essentially be called like the godfather of Anambra politics at this point. And he was the godfather of the governor, supposed godfather of the governor, Dr. Chris Ngige, a sitting governor who was in fact kidnapped. Um, The Anambra South senatorial seat has been held by Andy after Ugochuku. Both Andy and Chris and Ugochuku have all run for governor of Anambra. Um, I'll say the obviously Andy being governor for 17 days is the closest that any of the brothers have come to having holding that seat. In researching this case, I found a strange document. It was an undertaking signed, supposedly. I mean, I'm getting this from Human Rights Watch, so I I want to say that this... When was the reports made, the Human Rights Watch one? I'm not sure. Yeah. 
But this document is from the 5th of May, 2003. Okay. It is... I just realized that was 20 years ago. Oh my God. Yeah, don't put it like that. But the title of the document says, Memorandum of Irrevocable Undertaking to Serve as Governor of Anambra State for One Term of Four Years. Okay. It includes a declaration of loyalty. A declaration of war? A declaration of loyalty. Loyalty. Chris Ingege, as governor, sorry, winner of this election, is signing on the 5th of May 2003, according mm. to this document, that he would, one, not seek a re-election as governor, and two, making a declaration of loyalty to Chief Chris Uba. I'm not sure how to react to it. Should I send it to I you? think a declaration of loyalty... <coughs> In itself is a very interesting document. Yeah. Like it's written very much like whereas this, whereas this. Like it's it very is. legal. Yeah. Whereas I aspire to run for the governorship of Anambra State of Nigeria under the platform of the Democ- People's Democratic Party. Whereas I am financially incapacitated and unable to fund myself for the said election. Whereas I have approached Chief Chris Uba, the mm. Eseluga, and respect requested him to sponsor me financially and also support my campaign by handing over to me his teeming followers and political structure in Anambra State. Whereas Chief Chris Uba have accepted, have, has, the hell, has accepted, I hate grammatical errors in a legal document. It's, inc- it's incredible. It's me all. Especially it's on something like this. Mm-hmm. Whereas Chief Chris Uber has accepted to sponsor me in consideration of my exercise and manifestation of absolute loyalty to him. Now I therefore I hereby declare as follows. I, Dr. Chris Ngege, shall at all times during my tenure as the governor of Anambra State exercise and manifest absolute loyalty to the person of Chief Chris Uba. This is like the kind of contract. I feel like you know those like crossroads contract where like if someone like signs their soul to the demon to a demon or the devil, mm-hmm. this is the wording mm-hmm. with the, with which they would write it or draft it. That I shall at all times during my tenure as governor of Anambra State mm. consult and seek the consent, understanding, and support of Chief Chris Uba in all my actions and activity as governor of Anambra State. Oh my God. Oh my God. That I shall be unreservedly loyal what? to Chief Chris Uba throughout my tenure as Anambra, as governor of Anambra State. No. I hereby make this... I hereby freely make this declaration of loyalty solemnly, honestly, consensuously, and bona fide, and I hold myself bound to the content of this declaration of loyalty, dated at Oka this 5th of May, 2003. First of all, that's not even an enforceable contract, because it's just inherently legal. It is inherently unconstitutional. It's insane. It is illegal. It is insane. An executive government, a governor, is saying, I'm bound, I'm binding myself to the consent of a non-elected official. Like what? As the final say on how I execute my duties as governor. Mm-mm-mm. I don't like that. At <laughs> all. 
there's this whole story of how apparently he goes naked to some shrine or whatever at some point in time. I don't even know. But like, you know, we've talked, you know, we talk about like jazz and Nigerian politics and all those things. I, I mean, like, even I understand if somebody has one godfather and he calls and they're doing blood oath or something. But to even, no, no, because you know what? Keep that, keep that mess, that mess. Mm-hmm. But to make this a legal, legal document that is on the face of it, literally, in, like, Based on what? Based on what? Based on how? How? This is somebody who he's signing this right before he's signing inauguration, right? Because inauguration is always like what's like second, third week of May, yeah, right? This fifth of May. It's also like it just feels like I'm glad you said 2003 because like I feel like anything after sort of the Abacha era. That's kind of where laws just started to fall apart. You go because I feel like no lawyer would his soul to draft that contract in this in like the fifties, sixties, seventies, maybe eighties, but like the late nineties to now, you see stuff like this. What? <laughs> Anyways, this guy gets kidnapped. So mm-hmm. should we talk about his kidnapping that happens like? Literally two months after this, 10th of July. What's the sticky? I want to know exactly how they picked him up. You want to know exactly how they I have a visual mind, so this really helps me put this whole thing together. I'm going to go to an interview he gave, and I'm just going to say it from his words. Mm. Just going to pull out his words, and I'm just going to read out to y'all. That works. Talk to me. By the way, an article says that Chris Uba, who's the youngest brother, is sometimes known on streets as Uchiaga, which means war general, mm. and that he's known as a popular grassroots mobilizer mm. all i gotta say is that anytime i see someone be described mm. as a popular grassroots mobilizer the type of people they say are doing grassroots Auxiliary. mobilization <laughs> yeah father yeah once he gets here so we're gonna go to the morning of the 10th of july 2003 now to make this a bit like Flowy. Just know I'm going to jump over some some bits and pieces. Chris Ingege goes on to be Minister of Labor and Employment under Buhari's government after he leaves the PDP for the mm-hmm. APC. I guess this is why people say PDAPC. Um, but yeah, how was unemployment under Buhari? <laughs> unemployment? Yeah. Like, if we're talking numbers... If we're talking the numbers... <laughs> I would like to say, because I've done the research, and yes. I have the specific figures, mm. and the answer is a lot. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I've actually done the biggest. Yeah. I've actually done the research. Uh, I mean, <laughs> I'm so irritating. 15 uh, million. 15 million. In additional unemployment. Rish. He came and said, I'm going to create jobs. I'm going to give y'all jobs. Actually, no. 15 million... 15 million people entered the unemployed market. And if you add underemployment mm-hmm. and all this gig work to unemployment numbers, your head will explode. So mm-hmm. let's, let's, let's just go back to the story. Yeah. This episode is like my bread and butter. We're going to have to cut this into two. Okay. Because this entails me to be a lawyer, a historian, and a, my, use my politics brain. And okay. I like it. I like it for me. I like it for everybody involved. I like it for all of you listening. It's the 10th of July, 2003. It's a regular work day for Chris Ngigi. At least mm. he thinks so. He's the governor. 
He is not in the state house in Anambra because apparently the state house was in Tatas. Apparently, Tatas. Yes, it was in a terrible condition. So he had Tatas to is a crazy word. It was a terrible condition. So he was staying in a hotel. Do you know also, I need to stop getting distracted. What is distracting you? Tinubu has not moved into Asarok. I don't know if he's waiting for tribunal judgment. Has he at least um, moved into... Abuja. Yeah. He's staying in Asakoro and he causes like 30 or to 40 minutes of gridlock every morning. Every morning. Every morning. Going to Asakoro. Yeah. As oh, okay. He goes he's working work. from his day student. Yeah, basically. Yeah, okay. <laughs> he will He will have to move in eventually. I did do renovations for him or something. I believe so. Because I can imagine a Lagos guy moving into, no offense, by the way, just imagine a Lagos <laughs> man with Lagos sensibilities mm-hmm. moving into Buhari's ex room. I'm just being like, what the hell is <laughs> Do you know the funniest thing I've heard? What? On the streets. They said that VP... This is the one, by the way. Huh? This is the one that gets us cancelled. <laughs> but keep going. I have another show to think about. <laughs> they said that VP... VP's residence they cleared everything they did only for cutting road what Osifaja went for with everything for his home office mm, yeah he has some consultancy job thing he's doing now isn't it and see no it's possible yeah. it's possible that Asurok staff themselves took it yeah you that, know, that happens quite often it's possible that yeah. Osifaja left everything and some staff decided I doubt it though Huh? Not just giving a personal opinion. I, I doubt that. That's what they, they carried everything off. That shit. must be open the door. Imagine a Yoruba man with his Yoruba wife not accounting for every single piece of Bro. furniture. Bro. They took it. And that's fine, I think. I, I don't know. I just, Probably not. Is it furnished with personal money? It's furnished with government money every year so it is yeah it's owned by the government it should not be yes here we are <laughs> it's almost like we live in a political system that is somewhat ineffective oh maybe yeah. i would say that they left the cupboards and like the fittings and stuff but what on rude what on rude is that the vp money empty wow insert denzel clip i'm, I'm leaving with some i'm leaving i'm leaving some oh, i'm leaving with everything <laughs> After FEC denied the man of his presidency ambition. Anyways, I'm sorry, y'all. Let's go back. Chris Nkeke is becoming... He's he's working as governor out of a hotel. And at this point in time, Peter Obi is challenging Chris Nkeke's election anyways. Peter Obi is the APGA candidate. Nkeke is the PDP candidate. He said that he, he was getting calls. People were like, have you checked on your House of Assembly members? Where are your House of Assembly members? Some friends will call him, you know, the night before this happened and the morning of. Mm-hmm. And he's just like, and he's like, well, if the House of Assembly wants to impeach me, they will give me, they'll send me a letter and at least I'll have notice and I'll start doing my politicking and my scheming. He's not thinking I'm going to be kidnapped at gunpoint. Mm. You know, according to him, he's just like, he feels like obviously there's some type of scheme underway. Like he's, you know, the air, he can tell it in the air that even his deputy governor is not really sending him. So he can feel like something is going on, but he just thinks it's going to follow a certain process. Yeah. And that process gives him time to then get his ducks in a row. Now, if this document that we just spent time on is true, two months ago, he had just declared loyalty and then he enters office and him and Chris Uba staff having some kind of like... Little tiffs. Little tiffs. Yeah. Little tiffs, which usually do 
usually do happen that once a man enters governor's hey. office, he wants to be his own man. Yeah, of course. It's like, wait now, I'm the governor. I'm here now. I'm here now. How far? Let me feel my weights. Let me move around, stretch these arms. Yeah, yeah, this is very yeah, big, like, like um, Jimmy Hoffa type of stuff. Who's Jimmy Hoffa? He was the head of trade unions in New York in like the, uh, I want to say like the 60s. Mm. Big mafia, mob, big mob ties. Mm. And, um, you know, like the unions controlled a lot. Mm. Gave me everything because everyone had like blue collar jobs back then. There was no tech. Mm. And um, because of that, he would approve who got hired onto big government contracts and this and that. Mm. And he wouldn't get the contracts if he didn't say yeah. yeah, exactly. So, yeah. That's what this is giving. Yeah, that's what this is giving. So, according to Chris Ngagay, the last call he gets on the morning of July 10th before he heads to the office is from Chris Uba, who he is his supposed godfather. The way Chris Ngagay three years ago describes Chris Uba is not the way I would say most people describe their relationship. He said they were co-members of a caucus, but that he they were co-chairman of a PDP caucus, but that Chris was closer to the presidency, so he used to defer to him. Mm-hmm. He did not act like the guy was his godfather, but he obviously, you know, 20 years later, I'm sure, you know, that he's not going to say that was my godfather, because now he's the one who's a minister. And no. I don't know what Chris replies. Do you, have a, do you have a political godfather yourself? Me? Yeah, I do. You do? Yeah, I do. Cool. God. The father himself. The father of all. Yeah, okay. Fair enough. I respect that. That was so good. That was really good. Oh, uh, yeah. I'd be a Nigerian politician. Though. You could. You could have <laughs> up there with someone, some Dino Melai stuff. Yeah. It's like is an it? answer. Yeah. Well, but no, really. Is it really? Yeah, no, really. no, it's it's good stuff. But it is, you know. Yeah, it's also ultimate like, father. It's also like satisfactory for most Nigerians, I feel mm-hmm. like. They'll be like then what ah, are you yeah. gonna say? It's not good. Yeah. I mean What are you gonna say? It's the devil, that's crazy. That's crazy. Mm. It can't be the devil. Mm. If you come and say, Oh no, is this man like, no, like so this is God, God, really? Yeah. You're gonna say that to me? No. Yeah, it's God always. Friend. God is the author and the finisher of my You've done well <laughs> in answering this. So yeah, so he says the last call he gets in the morning is from Christopher. And Christopher tells him that, oh, I'm on my way to Lagos. I have to handle some things, blah, blah, blah. Just checking in. Where are you? He says, oh, I'm in Oka. I'm in the hotel. And he says, okay, cool. Just checking where you are, mm. dear friend. <laughs> and then he says that, Barrister Ifiatu Obiokoi comes to see him in the hotel around 9 a.m. Mm. The hotel is called the Choice Hotel. And he was the state chairman, I believe, of the PDP. And the guy came and he just said, oh, I'm here to, because I want to be a commissioner. And he was like, yeah, you can be a commissioner, but you can't be attorney general. I know you're a barrister, but you're not a, you're not a son. Mm-hmm. So if that's the one you want to lobby for, I can't give it to you. But you can lobby for another commissioning post. You've helped me in my election. So therefore, you can be a commissioner. I love that. I love, I love, mm. I love that this thing, eh? commissioner and ministerial list, people will come on the internet and tell me, do you know how loyal he was to his principal? How in the hell is that a qualification 
for the job. It's not. And as a human, as a sane person, like I understand though, I understand that in politics, people are doing money, they're working for you and you want to, of course you want to support people on your team. Mm-hmm. I'm not asking you to go and collect people from, you know, you don't trust whoever. Like I understand wanting to work with people on your team. But in your life, in your life, if somebody says somebody is un- like not qualified for a position, you do not come out as an adult thinking person mm. and counter but this person is not going to school with, but he's loyal to his principal. Well, I think you also have to factor in the way a lot of Nigerians view politics because of how distorted it's become over the last mm. couple of decades. They look at it as a sport. So even the ones that don't have any anything to gain from any administration, mm. just because they want to sound plugged in or current mm. they will just say the craziest things mm. like oh yeah but he's loyal you know and you have to also consider the fact that when he does this and this it's like no you gain nothing from this people love sounding plugged in yeah it's so it's so interesting because like it's it's like it's really secondary school forever yeah it is but a lot of people who thrive in this spaces is like you have the cool kids and then you have the kids who wanted to get invited to the parties mm-hmm. and the ones who wanted to get invited to the parties are the one who are the on most vocal the most vocal yeah like that's that's just the best way that's just the best mm-hmm. way to get it right because it's like so anyways you know <laughs> sorry just mom this is my last like sort of distracting comments were like i've been applying for a lot of podcast grants for us because we're really eligible for a lot mm. but there's this really big one and they give to like people who do kind of what we do but the main gripe is i mean i think the main reason why we can't even qualify for it is basically you have to have an informative podcast that highlights the good <laughs> in society so if you're talking about negative stuff you can't really do that and it just sucks that, like because we talk about a lot of nigerian stuff in africa even the international stuff is not good we just talk about bizarre the out there the crazy but you know maybe we'll send them like so if you see us next week talking about the country. top five best nigerian politicians <laughs> just know that we've gotten an email <laughs> we've gotten a positive reply we need money yeah uh Let's go back. Let's go back. Mm-hmm. So he says Chris Uba tells him that he's on his way to Lagos. But that this barrister tells him that Chris Uba is in his guest house in Oka. Anyways, he goes to his office and by 11, he says the whole drama started. And I quote, Chris he says, I saw my ADC pushed out. Something mm-hmm. like ruffling and scuffling at the ante room in front of my office by the late AIG. Ralph Ige and a man who came with him, a three-star DSP, fully <laughs> armed. So he's saying that Ralph Raphael or Ralph Ige, AIG of police, has come into his office with a three-star DSP. Ige is in Mufti. And he said the last time he had seen this guy was two days earlier in Enugu at Chris Uba's house. Mm-hmm. And when they saw there were pleasant, they exchanged pleasantries, they greeted each other. And he notes that Raph was drinking palm wine and even offered him some, but he's not much of a drinker. But that as Raph came to his office that morning, he could smell the alcohol on him. And he was a mufti. And so he was like, something must be up. Because why is a police officer coming to the governor's office? Mufti. Yeah. First of all, they've thrown his ADC out. So an ADC is the security officer. He's pulled up with an unknown guy with an AK-47. A police officer who is a three-star just in his own police uniform. Mm-hmm. He smells like liquor, according to the governor. Yeah. 
And he also does not salute the governor or greet him. And he's like, as governor, police always salute you because they're just saluting the office and it's something they do. Something is smelly and I'm not talking about the liquor. <laughs> not the liquor on his breath, he said. <laughs> no. So I don't like this. You don't like this? Yeah. Yeah. So this, Rafael Gay sits down and mm-hmm. he's like, did you retire already? <laughs> like, he was like, I know your retirement is coming up. Yeah. Like, why are you in Mufti? And yeah. he says, Oga, you have to come down from that table. Oh. And I said, why? And he says, I have instruction that you should discontinue work. And Ingege says, instruction from where? And Ige says, from high up. Okay. And Ingege goes, who's higher than me? high up. No, no. I know, I know that man did not say who's higher than me. <laughs> you know exactly who you are. It's like, well, you're big, you're big, but you always know when there's somebody bigger. There's always someone bigger. I'm using direct quote from Ingege. He said, I don't know. I should stop querying him. The bloody police officer is telling me I should stop querying him. Police officer, I got to this pee, man. Let's go. Bro. And then he says, he tries to pick up the call, his phone. And the officer is like, nope, nope. You can't pick up the phone. And in an interview, he also says they had cut off the night hell lines leading into the office. Mm-hmm. So the only phone that was working is the intercom. And when a call came in in the intercom, they said that he could not pick it up. Mm. And he now goes, it's just an intercom. It can only be from somebody within the building that's calling me. Like, I'm not I'm calling outside. When he picks up the intercom, his secretary, this is Ingege, this is a governor secretary, says that the state director of the SSS wants to speak to him. She, the secretary, puts the call through to his office, right? And now he's talking to the director of the SSS, state director. Mm. And he says that he heard that there's some people in his office. And so he's trying to like signal to the guy that, yeah, I'm under gone right now. This is a sitting governor. (laughs) This is happening to a sitting governor, guys, in 2003. (laughs) Anyways, the guy goes, yeah, that they think one. So he thinks that one of the security details must have told the SSS. I called the SSS directly and said that something is going on in the office. Mm-hmm. in the office of Oga. And when he goes that, that is it a real police officer? And he's like, yeah. So he's just trying to give him information without saying who he is. Chris Ngengi had two chief security details. You're supposed to get one chief security detail. It's given to you by DSS or SSS, right? However, he had two. One sent to him by Chris Uba and the second sent to him by the DSS guy. So it's the one who was sent to him by the DSS that then called DSS. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. The security guy that Kusuba had put as his chief security detail did not call for help. Of course he didn't. So he then asks, like, which security detail is with you? Is it the one sent from Enugu, i.e. Kusuba, or is it the one sent from Abuja, i.e. DSS? And Ngege goes into this whole ex- explanation of how he just had to accept the person that Chris Uba sent him, but that he also knew that he wouldn't really be safe with that. So he just took the two of them and that he just felt like whenever he went to Abuja, to, he would meet with the, D, the DG of the SSS and be like, this is the situation I'm under. Like they sent me two guys. Yeah. But this hadn't happened because he's just two months in. <laughs> he's still renovating the office. Yeah, just got here, man. He just got here. The guy then asks, 
who is the police officer with you? Is it Ralph Ige? And Ige says on the phone, yes. Mm. And he goes, okay, I'll contact the office. Mm. He gets off the phone and they have brought the clerk of the Anambra State House of Assembly to him. This clerk is a Mr. Alosius Ikuka. He was Ngege's secondary school Latin teacher. He considers him like family. Okay. He said the guy looked like his eyes were swollen. He didn't know if he had been crying. That he looked downcast. And when the clerk came in, the AIG said to this Ngege guy, says, oh, clerk, you're here. Oh, yeah, bring the letter. And the letter was two letters. One was his resignation as governor. And the second letter was one saying, was also a letter saying that he state's house of assembly had accepted his letter of resignation. That's amazing. And that they had passed a resolution accepting his letter of resignation. So they were like, sign the letter, sign the resolution by the state house of assembly. And he refused. He's like, I'm not signing that. I didn't write it. I'm not going to sign it. Mm. And then he goes that at that point, he's angry. He's like, not even scared. He's just angry. He's like, okay, yeah, bring your pistol. If you want to bring pistol, yeah, bring your pistol. He says, in the interview, you know, he does say that like, you have a guy who he's saying is possibly drunk with a gun mm. in his office. Mm. So you don't really want to. Escalate. You don't. Yeah. But also that at that point in time, he's like, I am a sitting governor. And a police officer is saying, come down from your table, sign this, do this, do that. And his head is like, ah, no. <laughs> like this. Do you reckon the police officer had to get a little to be able to carry out the task? I mean... Like he knew sober, he would doubt himself. I, mean, I don't know. I thought about that when I was reading. I was like, was he just known to be slush and just be the type of guy who would do this? Or was it a bit of Dutch courage? Or was it a bit of Dutch courage? Yeah. Or was he celebrating... The money he was going to get from doing this. I'm sure he's not doing it for free. Probably, probably <laughs> right? a bit of everything. Yeah. Right? Like, what's the... Because also, this is 11 a.m. in the mm-hmm. morning. To be... Let's assume, right, that Ingege is not giving us a colorful um, telling of the story. Mm. Let's assume everything he's saying is factually correct. Mm. To be so drunk, to be smelling boozy at 11 a.m., that is impressive, it is like damn, you must be juicy. So he says, you know, at that point in time, they say, okay, wherever, like, you're not signing, but you're leaving this office, da da da. And he goes, okay. And they said they're going to take him back to his village. And he's like, I'm not going back to my village. Ah, I'm definitely not doing this. Okay, where? So they said, okay, that can he go to Lagos? His family is in Lagos. The guys are kicking him out of, and like, but let him just go back to his family. So they say, okay. Um, Compromise. Yeah. Now, this is four hours of back and forth. Mm-hmm. He's been in this room with this AIG, and the guy with AK47 apparently goes in and out of the room. But, like, he's been in the room with Ig now for four hours on this back and forth. And he's like, I'm not mm-hmm. signing this thing here. But if you want to kick me out, you kick me out, but I'm not signing this thing here. Because they say, okay, he can go to Lagos. And he says, okay, he has to go to his hotel to pick his things before he goes to Lagos. If you kick me out, let me just pack my load and be going. He said he keeps asking, where do you get your instructions from? Who told you to come here? Who told you to take me to my village? And he said that he keeps saying that this is the instruction from Abuja. 
And he says, okay, who in Abuja gave you this instruction? And he said, this is the instruction. He will not say where this came from. So they put him, he enters his 406, his private car. They put the DSP with the AK-47 in the front of his car. And as he drives out, like he doesn't have a full convoy of cars. And as he drives out, he sees two big lorries full of anti-riot policemen following them. Unknown to him at the time, his elder sister had heard like some stuff was going on. And so she was also trailing them to see where they were taking him. Okay. He said that when he got to a particular junction, that's when he realized that instead of saying, let's just go straight to Lagos, he realized he can't say, let me go to my hotel. So that's when he, quick change of plan, please, let's go to my hotel. When he gets to the hotel, they get to the courtyard and he's like, okay, I need to get my PA. Like I need to be able to call my PA to come and pack for me. And they're like, no, you can pack yourself. And he starts getting into an argument with the DSP. At this point, his sister knows where he is and his one of his essays knows where he is. And mm-hmm. so they both come in, his sister and his essay, and they see that he's challenging them. Because at this time, it was already on radio that he had resigned mm. and the state house of assembly has accepted. So mm. going, people don't know he's been like kidnapped. Yeah. Kidnapped legally. This is, this is legally a kidnapping. He's under threat of violence. He's spiriting away. He's being spirited away. So they just think, oh, he was forced to, like maybe his sister is thinking, or maybe they forced him out or whatever. Mm. But like, they don't know that he's like, being kidnapped essentially like he's this is currently a kidnapping they're watching so when his sister and sac him and the dsp battling arguing and going back and forth and they see that he's fighting it his essay runs to the radio to start countering the story on radio mm, I mean, mm, governor did not governor did not resign no. the governor has not resigned this is fake news mm. now he says while they're in this hotel an apga guy walks by mind you like he's pdp Abga is fighting PP in courts. The guy doesn't like him. The guy was a traditional ruler. He was the Igwe Anugu Mbuaku. I don't know if I pronounced that correctly, but the guy was an Igwe. He was a traditional ruler mm-hmm. and was a member of Abga. They had both worked on for Alex Ekweme before in the past. Do you know who Alex Ekweme was? No. He was vice president and he ran, he's the person of Basanjo Beats in the PDP primaries right. in the okay. 90s. Yeah. Yep. They had both worked for Dr. Alex Ekweme. However, they had both gone into different parties. And this Igwe Anugu was um, essentially like on the other side. I don't like you. You know, so he first walks by, just sees him, you know, just like an irritating fella. Mm-hmm. But then the guy came back when he saw he was having altercations with this police officer and was like, what's going on? I just heard on radio that you have resigned. And he said that, no, he told this guy, I have not resigned. And the guy says, okay, like, what's going on? Like, are you okay kind of pee? Do you need to talk to Alex Ekweme? Because obviously Alex Ekweme, big guy has clout. And he's like, yes. And then when the Ekwe guy is like, is like, because he doesn't have a phone, right? They've taken everything from him. So this guy is handing him, handing Chris Ingegate the phone. Once he starts handing him the phone, the DSP, the police guy jumps up like, about to rack this traditional ruler. Mm. Luckily, the traditional ruler moves around with a pistol. Got that thing on him. He got that thing on him. <laughs> Personally given to him by Shibu Shagari. Oh my God. <laughs> and so when the DSP cocked his gun, he brought out his pistol. And now the DSP is seeing this grown ass traditional ruler with like a military era pistol on him. Mm. And what goes through his head is that I might be pointing my head, my gun at a military guy. Mm. So he drops immediately. 
Because you know one thing police are not going to do? They're not going to mess around with military. That's true. <laughs> Especially a military guy you don't know. That's true. You're seeing an older guy here with the thang on him. Especially in the in southeast. Middle, in the middle of a, a hotel. In the southeast. In the middle of the morning, in the middle of the day. No way. Police officer was like, mm, it's calculated here. Yeah. Drops his gun. So then they call. So at that point in time, this is basically what says Chris Nguge. They call Alex Ikweme. They finish the call. And I said, okay. What do we do now? And Ngege thinks, this is Chris Uba. This is OBJ's people. You know, like, what do we do? Mm. He calls. He said he knows Aldo Obey. Remember Aldo Obey? Yes. Yes. So it's like, yeah, that's my boy. He said he knows Aldo Obey's number offhand. Because back then, said, people actually just knew numbers off, offhand. Yes. So he got, so he just dialed the number in this guy's phone. And he, the secretary picks up and he says, you're speaking to Chris Ngege. And they're like, ha, 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 ha. If you're looking for Chris Ngu, they said he's resigning. He said, no, 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 it's me. And then starts like basically saying Aldo's like nickname that he calls him or whatever. It's like, put him on the phone. Mm-hmm. Like, it's for real me. I'm in a situation. Mm. At that point in time, like apparently National Headquarters is going crazy. Like, because they're looking for Ingo Gay. They don't know where he is. Yeah. They said he's resigned. And obviously he has allies. Chris Uba has allies. Also like, all these scheming, right? Then you have people who are maybe OBJ allies and you have people who are Tigu allies. They might be the same team or the same party. They might have come in on the same ticket. But you have to recall, this is just the, this is when that whole thing happens, that whole second term, OBJ article, second term thing. So even the PDP itself is fractionalized on many different levels. And Uba's are obviously OBJ people at this point in time. I'll do, this is, this is all the things that predate that, that fateful dinner that OBJ goes and hands him his own resignation letter. Mm-hmm. So this handing somebody their own already typed out resignation letter, I was, that was not the first time it happened, yeah. right? So when he calls in, he's basically speaking to the whole working committee. He says, you know, he lists a whole bunch of people that were there. Like the director general was there. They call Atiku. They call Kini. Like, so they're on the phone. They're conferencing. And then a guy called Eddie Iro, who was the director general of the FRCN. He had come to interview the PDP working committee on the loss of their governor, whose, no, whose whereabouts nobody knew. And they now told this guy he's on the line. So interview him right now. So they hook him up live to FRCN radio station. It was 4 p.m. network news and said, can you talk directly to Nigerians right now? And mm. so he said he was talking. He said, I'm alive. I'm a captive. I'm still being held, but I hope to regain my freedom. I did not resign as governor of Anambra States. He said that is what did magic. From there, he called the vice president's office and got Atiku, who he said it was a good friend of his. Atiku called the IGP and said he had spoken to me that the governor is still alive. He is still there in a hotel and he has not resigned. Because in Abuja, they thought he was dead. Like, imagine somebody, they tell you somebody has resigned and has been has disappeared yeah. for hours. This is like a 15-hour ordeal. Yeah, They're like, bruh, he's dead. And like, you know... In those days, he could have been dead. Like, yeah. they really, you did used to kill <laughs> back in those days. It was very commonplace. It was very commonplace. So they're like, yo, he's alive. And so he's on the phone with IGP and Atiku. And yeah. And this is 6 p.m. This all started at like 11 a.m. He said he 
they brought the police officer came with more guys. But at this point in time, you know, they have two truckloads of police officers outside his hotel. And then you now have like people rioting. Right. So the situation is it's very on edge. He said he slept with a pistol. He slept with a pump action. <laughs> he slept with a pump action that night. Surely. In that same hotel. And that is what happened on the 10th of July, 2003. Well, all's well that ends well. I mean... You know, he he, he uh, wanted to run for president last year. Yes, under the APC. He joined the APC some years later. I think like 2017 or 2015. I'm not sure when he joined APC. He did He did want to run for, for president. And, you know, it was actually in an article where he's talking about his run for president where he talks about this incident. Mm. He... Obviously, he doesn't finish his term in office because Peter P. Yeah. His mandate is returned to him while he is still in Didn't Peter P. get impeached? And that's like... Peter P. Uh, then gets impeached after this, yes. Yeah. He tries to... Ingege tries to go again, does he? Not at that point in time, it's actually Uber. It's Uber, yeah. And yeah, 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 so, so. number of politics is really, really insane. I know, like Nigerian politics is a bunch of strong men just constantly trying, trying their hand at things. But that's really a number of politics, bro. Just some strong men trying, trying, I'm, trying to do things. <laughs> I'm going to, I'm going to just say that in this article from 2023, Chris Uba is quoted as saying, "I have sent a lot of people to the Senate. I even sent my elder brother Namdi. Mm. That's Andy, Andy." But I don't understand what he's doing there. That is why I want to go there by myself. (laughs) He said, in the build-up to the 2015 general election, the Uber family agreed that Andy should vacate the seat for his younger brother while he contested for the governorship election (laughs) a year later. Andy reportedly agreed. But after losing out at the primaries, he breached the family agreements and insisted on vying for the Senate seats. Despite entreaties by senior members of the family to get him to respect the earlier agreement, Andy stood his ground. Consequently, Ugo Chuku and Chris then pitched their tents with Ernest Ndukwe of Apka. Alas, even though all his brothers were against him, Andy still won. That's a strong man. Well. That's an APC bad boy. Is Andy APC? Yeah. Really? I mean, what else would he be at this point? I mean, what else would it be? I think Chris Chris was removed from the PDP at some point in time, but I believe he's still there. I don't even know what's going on. <laughs> there was this story, man. There was a story about like people pulling up because the person who now holds the seat for Anambra Senatorial South is Ifani Uba, mm. but his own Uba is U B A H. He's not related to them. <laughs> I believe he's an oil guy. I don't know if he's the Pinnacle Oil guy. Yeah. Is he? I'm not sure. I'm I don't know, sure, but he's... the pinnacle oil guy is governor now, but he is an oil guy and he's not related to the Uber brothers. Yeah. Bro, how can you just be like, I don't know what my brother is doing there. I sent him there, but I don't know what he's doing there now. <laughs> You'd be like that sometimes. And also like, how can you have a senatorial seat and you're like, bro, it's my turn. Elilo. <laughs> Come. <laughs> Notable people from Anambra South Senatorial District district mm-hmm. include Charles Solido, former governor of Anambra State and former governor of the CBN, Virginia Etiaba, who was the deputy governor under Peter Obi and the first female governor of in Nigeria when okay. he was impeached. Yeah. 
Um, you have Nwafo Orizu, who was the former president of the Senate of Nigeria. He was the Senate president when we had our first coup. Um, so technically he was president at some point in time because Namdi Azikwe had run, had, was in London. So there's like a very brief period where he's technically like interim president of the country. Yeah. yeah. Obiageli is a quilsi. You have some other governors. Mbazlike Amechi is also from Anambra Senatorial South District. That is the former Minister of Aviation. And that's the guy who housed Nelson Mandela <laughs> when Mandela ran to Nigeria. Oh my God. And of, <laughs> and of course, you have the brothers Ugo Chuku, Andy, and Chris Uba. Wow. Very interesting. Oh my God, you guys, I just realized that that was my first. That was my first fact. I'm sorry, that's it for this episode. <laughs> okay, you guys, that is going to be it for this episode. And then the other two facts are going to be their own episodes. Is that okay? Yeah, They're going to come next. So, catch you guys for part two later. Bye. Don't say bye to them. See you next week. <laughs>